it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is Friday, April 8th, 2022. Happy Friday and welcome to the Guy Benson Show. I'm your host, Guy Benson. Here every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, So glad that you all listen, preferably live on our great affiliates. Many ways to listen live. All those ways are at GuyBensonShow.com. You can just check out that website for all the program needs that you might encounter. Also, one of our partners that we always recommend is Odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. If you can't listen live between those hours, three to six weekdays, we have a podcast. It is free of charge. It is on demand after the show is over. You can also visit GuyBensonShow.com for that or FoxNewsPodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the lineup today. Dr. Manny Alvarez will join us. I wanted to talk COVID with him because we are starting to see some of the usual suspects reemerge demanding more restrictions again. This is predictable. We have to resist their efforts. And here in Washington, there is quite a flurry of activity and questions and concern and media chatter about this alleged super spreader event at the gridiron dinner. And then who may have been exposed? We're going to get you some audio on that here in a moment (laughs) that you have to hear. But Like this thing in the minds of a lot of people isn't over. And look, I'm not saying that COVID is gone and the whole thing is over. I'm saying that we've moved to a point where it is endemic in our society and it is now responsible to start treating COVID more like we treat the flu than an active pandemic emergency because we have a massive number of our people Vaccinated, a lot of our most vulnerable people are boosted. There's a lot of natural immunity in our population. We have ways of treating COVID that we didn't have. And as soon as you start to see some numbers pop up or tick up, there's a certain subset of the population that just absolutely freaks out. People who I think are almost addicted to freaking out, saying, oh, here we go. Put the masks back on, stop these indoor gatherings. And unfortunately, there are some people who want to listen to them. Like Wyatt was telling me Georgetown University brought back the mask mandate. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. All of those kids are vaccinated and boosted and young and overwhelmingly healthy. And if they feel like they want a mask, they can wear one, but not anymore. Now it's required. That's not a scientific decision. That is something else. That is almost like a religious decision being imposed on these students for no good reason. Now, why am I opening the show with this? Well, what I need to do is finish telling you our guests. I got sidetracked. I launched into the monologue before I even finished with the guests. But that's okay. 
because I'm telling you this audio that I have for you. I hadn't heard it until about half an hour before the show. And I said, you know what? Let's take the plan and shift it. That other topic that I was going to open with, we'll get to that on Monday. It'll be fine. You need to hear this. But in addition to Dr. Manny coming up this hour, we will have the Attorney General of Florida, Ashley Moody. She's involved in a few lawsuits against the federal government right now. We will talk to her at the top of the next hour. We will talk to our colleague and friend Will Kane in the next hour. Some sports, a story. I want to ask him actually about Piers Morgan. He interviewed Piers Morgan on his podcast, and they had gotten into it years prior on guns. There's a story there. I want to hear it. And then Cat Timp will be here Fridays with Cat. Lord knows where that conversation will go, but stay tuned. So on COVID and on this audio soundbite that I want you to hear, the backdrop is this. There was a big event, as we talked about, at the White House celebrating the Obamacare passage anniversary this past week. And President Obama himself was there. We talked a bit about that. There is concern that the president, who I will remind you is quite old, he's 79, was exposed to COVID at that event. Why? When he was at the White House at an event with Speaker Pelosi, who's 82, there's video of he and Pelosi doing the little like, you know, D.C. polite kiss thing, a little cheek kiss. And then Speaker Pelosi tested positive for COVID. Now, again, as we told you yesterday, she was asymptomatic or, you know, had very light symptoms, if any at all. She's boosted. Yes, she's 82, so that's concerning. But by all accounts right now, she's fine. And I'm very much a proponent of not setting our hair on fire whenever anyone tests positive for the virus. Like, we were making that argument about breakthrough cases a long time ago. I had a breakthrough case back uh, before it was cool. I had a breakthrough case last summer. And it was extremely mild. I think the fact that I was vaccinated helped on that front. I had both of my shots, and then I had a mild case of COVID. So I've got the hybrid immunity, whatever you want to call it. But to me, it doesn't really matter that you have cabinet secretaries and the Speaker of the House and members of Congress, this little mini outbreak of official Washington. And that's the thing. It's folks that people know. It's names that people recognize. The D.C. press corps starts chirping. And so they've been peppering the White House with these questions. You know, was this a super spreader event at the, the gridiron dinner? Was it wise to have the president indoors unmasked with this? You know, what about this event? And actually, for the most part, I think Jen Psaki at the White House has responded pretty well to the questions being like, look, the president is double boosted. He's had four of these shots into his body. They test people at the White House. They've got all these precautions. And she said, we do risk assessment and we feel like this is okay." And I actually agree. I actually agree with that. However. There is also some ridiculous gaslighting happening because what the White House is trying to also claim here is that there really wasn't technically 
close contact between the Speaker of the House and the president. So they're not really concerned. And the whole thing was just to sort of downplay any concerns about the president contracting COVID. By the way, if he did and he has four shots, including two boosters, he is likely to be fine. You can't protect people from contracting this virus. It's not possible. As we've learned on a mass scale for the last two years. But given all the tools at our disposal, contracting the virus is a lot less scary now, even in that advanced age group, than it was certainly before the vaccines and therapeutics and widespread immunity and that sort of thing. But I'm sorry. They are indoors. I mean, masks generally don't help at all, especially these cloth masks. But they're indoors, unmasked, kissing each other. And the line from the White House is, well, that isn't really a close contact. (laughs) So someone told me that, that that was the line that they went with. And people were tweeting the photo is a photo, an image of these two people, a septuagenarian and an octogenarian kissing each other. And the White House's official talking point based on the capital S science is, well, don't worry about that. That's not a close contact. They're just kissing indoors. And I honestly wasn't sure if that was true. I said, seriously, that's what they're going with. Uh, It is. And they're doing it in this very sort of almost uh, snarky, condescending way. Our colleague Peter Ducey asked a question about this of Jen Psaki, and she talked to him like she was addressing a six-year-old. Even though the question from Ducey was like so obvious in terms of, puncturing the preposterous talking point that the White House is sticking with still, I guess, today. Just listen. This is cut 22, Ducey versus Saki. How can you guys say that President Biden was not a close contact with Speaker <clears throat> Pelosi when there is video of the Speaker kissing him? Well, Peter, the way that it is defined is by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and their definition of it is 15 minutes of, of contact within a set period of time uh, and within six feet. Uh, it did not meet that bar. It does not mean that, uh, that no one will get COVID around the world who does not have a close contact. It just means we are defining for all of you uh, whether the president and their interaction met the definition of the CDC of a close contact. Okay, so it's not a close contact. You've got these two old people kissing each other inside, but that's not technically a close contact because the CDC says it's not. It had to be 15 minutes. Now, I apologize in advance, folks, for this mental image, but I just have to ask. If Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi had gotten caught up in the moment and their desire had spilled over and they had made out in the East Room of the White House with cameras rolling for 13 straight minutes. Would would that also still be the answer? Like, well, as the CDC says, it has to be 15 minutes to be a close contact. And they may have been playing the technical uh, medical term as tonsil hockey for 13 minutes, but they were still two minutes or 120 seconds, Peter Ducey, 120 seconds, if you can do math over at Fox News, Peter Ducey, 120 seconds away from that being a close contact. Next question. (laughs) I'm sorry. They're kissing each other on the face. Indoors. 
at an event where they're talking and and, and they're saying, well, by this definition, it's not a close contact, so we're not worried. And that's our official talking point, except, uh-oh, here's this. My colleague Micah Raid at townhall.com saw my tweeting about this because I just – these are the science people. Hashtag science with a capital S. And they really think she was treating Ducey like his question was the stupid thing, not their talking point being the stupid thing. And they truly believe that they are much smarter and better than most of us. So they have their clever little retorts and their technicalities, except their technicalities bump into other technicalities because there are so many rules and just a blizzard of guidance out there. A lot of it is incoherent and contradictory. So here's from the CDC website. My town hall colleague sent this to me. And he screenshotted it. There's a whole helpful infographic with cartoons of people suggesting what people should and should not do. The headline on this post is how to protect family members at increased risk for severe illness from COVID-19. And you scroll down to number eight on the list. And again, God knows how many of these lists they've put out because the science changes all the time, often overnight. But number eight on the list was, quote, avoid hugging, kissing, or sharing food and drinks with people at increased risk for severe illness in your household. Now, who would count as someone at increased risk for severe illness from COVID? Would it be a 79-year-old man and an 82-year-old woman, perhaps, kissing each other? Indoors in front of everyone? I think it might. Based on my, uh, admittedly, layman's understanding of science and just basic understanding of what words mean. If someone asked me, hey, have you been in close contact with someone with COVID? And I know that I had just kissed someone with COVID. The answer would be yes, I was in close contact. I was just kissing someone with COVID. It would not be, no, no, it was, no, not a close contact. Because if you can see here on page 47, item B, it has to be 15 minutes for it to count. I, by the way, how long was the uh, was that ceremony at the White House, I wonder? Did they have to be sitting within six feet of each other for the full 15 minutes? So I'm just trying to figure out, maybe the, maybe the scientist, Jen Psaki, can help us out on this. Why am I talking so much about this particular incident? Because I don't really care that much about it. And I think it's fine to have the events, have indoor events. Don't make people wear masks. I know that there's, you know, some CNN doctor was out there tweeting, this is irresponsible. Put masks back on. This can't. I mean, it's it's going. It's coming. They are going to try to do this every time there's a spike or a wave, even a little bitty one somewhere. There are people itching to demand the return of restrictions. I'm bringing it up, A, because I find it very amusing. I find this entertaining. It's just like this intelligence-insulting talking point by the people who truly think they are the adherents and fetishists when it comes to science. So that amusement factor is why I wanted to lead with it today. And also just never forget, they think we're all very stupid and they can say whatever they want to us. 
and we'll just nod along like bobbleheads. And maybe that's true of many people inside that press room at the White House. Obviously not Peter Ducey. So they pat him on the head and treat him like a dunce, even though he asks an obvious question. And the answer that's given is just ludicrous. These are the people who claim to champion science and who want to control your life and what you can and cannot do. And I think that they do not deserve your trust or your respect in many cases on these issues. This is one small example why, but it's it's recent. It just happened. And I think it speaks for itself. And again, I'm sorry for putting that image into your minds of those two individuals going at it. For 13, I mean, they would have had like two full minutes to spare. 14 minutes, 58 seconds. Whoop, separate them. Get him back to the Oval. Not a close contact. Those are the rules. They're just the rules. It's just the science. Thanks, Jen. And we'll circle back to that science at some point. Let's hope they're all okay. It's the Guy Benson Show on a Friday. Stay tuned. The Guy Benson Show. More next. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning, America. (laughs) It was afternoon. It's the Guy Benson Show. We are back. That was the vice president welcoming the crowd at the White House today on the South Lawn, celebrating the confirmation of soon-to-be Justice Jackson. Very excited with those good morning salutations. And it was 12.35 p.m. Just a small thing, but very veep. Just another little, little detail. They get all the details right, I feel like, if they're trying to go down that path. Meanwhile... At the event, President Biden had some things to say about the treatment of the nominee during the confirmation process. Cut 39. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I knew the person I nominated will be put through a painful and difficult confirmation process. But I have to tell you, what Judge Jackson was put through was well beyond that. There was verbal abuse, the anger, the constant interruptions, 
most vile, baseless assertions and accusations. I mean, look, some of the criticism was over the top, but it was not unusual. It did not hold a candle to what the Democrats have done in recent memory. And this is projection and gaslighting extraordinaire. We'll be right back on The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Back here on the Guy Benson Show, we continue. GuyBensonShow.com, our website. Podcast free every day. With us now is Dr. Manny Alvarez, Fox News contributor, senior health analyst here. And, Doctor, it's good to have you back. Hey, Guy, how are you? I'm doing well. I just want to get your thoughts on a few things. I spent some of the beginning of the program today going through a statement from the White House press secretary who was saying that the president was not exposed to COVID in a close contact with Speaker Pelosi, even though Speaker Pelosi kissed the president indoors because it didn't last 15 minutes. I'm just trying to keep track of what they're telling us and the definition of words, because I feel like almost by definition, a face-to-face kiss would be close contact, but I guess the White House is saying, per CDC, technically it isn't, even though the CDC guidance also says don't hug or kiss people who are at high risk from severe outcomes, which I think would probably be the case for a 79-year-old president and an 82-year-old Speaker of the House. But what do I know, doctor? Well, you know, I I deliver babies for a living, and I always say you cannot be a little pregnant. Uh, you, so, you know, this was close contact, uh, but, you know, they kiss great. I'm glad that they're getting along. Uh, I think they should, uh, basically be very sincere about the whole thing. It was a, it was a meeting. There were a lot of people there. They were celebrating as well as they should. Uh, I'm sure that everybody was vaccinated, of course, and they all got their boosters. Uh, yeah, one member tested positive. She's asymptomatic. Who cares? And in, in the big scheme of things, I think she's going to be probably fine. And I pray to God that she is. And whether the patient, the, the president uh, needs to be monitored now in the next 72 hours for more testing to see if he does uh, test positive. Uh, the, that's the consequence of, of, of having an endemic virus among right. our society. And that's the end of it. I, I wouldn't, you know, to take this and take it to the next level, it, it's just a ridiculous, a ridiculous stance. Uh, and, and, you know, people should just drop it. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing for me. Yeah. Everything that you just said makes perfect sense. And if they had just answered that way, fine. I would have been like, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. That's the right approach. Let's all move on and hope that they're fine. And it seems like they both are for now. And and that's the end of that story, except they, I guess, felt like they had to do some sort of spin. I don't know, maybe for the left flank of their party or whatever. But they're out there like insulting us, saying, well, it wasn't really a close contact because it was a kiss. Yes, but it's not 15 minutes within six feet or whatever. And I just my fear is. And I I guess that this fear has been realized now many times over that with contradictions like we've seen 
from the CDC on masking, on schools, on all sorts of stuff, on a lot of the school policy, on the excuses made by politicians who get caught doing things that, according to their own rules, they shouldn't. Like the mayor who said he was holding his breath or whatever for photographs when he wasn't you know, wearing a mask indoors at a football game. And now this, while it's not technically a close contact, even though they're kissing on camera, I just feel like people are going to completely tune out everything that they have to say on this subject, which I guess maybe is a good thing because maybe they don't deserve to be tuned into. I, I Listen – uh, today is opening uh, opening day at the Yankee Stadium. Uh, it's a beautiful day in New York. I'm down here. There's 40,000 people without masks, hugging and kissing. Uh, there's no proof of testing upon entry uh, on, on Yankee Stadium today. There's no negative COVID test. Uh, you mean to tell me that among these 40,000 people watching the game in the stadium and drinking beer and hugging and watching the Yankees get beaten by the Red Sox, uh, uh, there's uh, somebody who's not positive. Positive? Of course there is. Do I worry as a physician? No, I don't. Uh, you know, the positivity rates, yes, you can say statistically compared to a year ago, maybe they're ticking up a little bit in certain communities, but our admission rates to hospitals continue to be very, very small with people complicated with severe cases of COVID pneumonia. Uh, we have new medications. Uh, if you're concerned, do the right thing. Go get your vaccine. Go get your booster. Uh, if you know some, if you, God forbid, test positive in a random test or in a home test, stay home watch Netflix, eat chicken soup, and come out in two weeks. And that's the end of it. You know, and, and you know the credibility of 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 you know you know I I, I you know your producer I, which I love Christine you know she sent me a couple of tweets from doctors you know these are people that want to be so popular you know and, you never let me read let me read some of the the tweets that you're about to reference here just so we've got them verbatim and by the way it's uh, four three Boston in the eighth inning so we'll see if the Yankees can turn that around but you've got a uh, you've got a CNN analyst. Who's one of their medical people? So he does your role over at our competitor network, Jonathan Reiner, who's a doctor. And let's see here. He he says this a few hours ago. It is not safe to gather in large numbers indoors without masks. It's irresponsible to require people to figure this out on their own. So he's saying bring back the restrictions, bring back the requirements. I see Dr. Leanna Wen, one of his colleagues at CNN. Yesterday was defending the gridiron dinner and saying, yes, it was probably a super spreader, but events like this should still go on because of risk assessment. She's come a long way from her previous, I would say, you know, uh, intense safetyism. She's a little bit more sensible now, but she was attacked by a Yale doctor who called that repulsive, saying that she's pro super spreader events and the events should all have masks. I mean, this is a dinner event. With eating and drinking, doctor, I mean, it just it feels like a lot of people are just stuck in April 2020 as if the last, you know, two years haven't happened. And and all the all the advancements in the what we've learned and the therapeutics and the vaccines, of course, and the science and our knowledge. I mean, it, it feels like like a time warp back to April 2020. And yet these are prominent doctors making these points in some cases. 
Well, listen, I, I think that the proof of the pudding, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that physicians, and I say this, and, you know, and I got a couple of degrees under my belt, but I have realized over many years that in order to have a, a very understandable conversation about good outcomes in healthcare, you have to have the input and the buy-in of your patients. Right now, the patients are looking at some of the medical leadership out there, uh, and they're saying, "You know what? This is a, this is a self-serving kind of attention-gathering type of individual. That that's all they care. They want to see their names in the bright lights of Broadway, and they're tuning off. And if you look at the American public, they're tuning off from perhaps uh, the the habit of of listening." to the federal officials at the healthcare level because they are many good men and women in federal healthcare services that do great work. But the, unfortunately, now everybody's tuning off. So it, it, we, it's gonna take a, a while for the American public to get the trust back that I think that those types of individuals, because again, you know, you'll never see a tweet from me uh, pontificating something. I talk, you ask a question, I tell you why I think that's the end of that. I go back to my daily job. Uh, and I don't want to see my names in lights or anything like that. I'm over all of that phase of my life. But I think that uh, it's going to take a while for the American public to get back to trust. I think that the American public knows what to do right now. They have all the information, two years' worth of information. They've seen a lot of people die. A lot of people get hospitalized. Families lose their members. They know what they have to do. And I'm very glad that I turn on the television opening day week of baseball, and I see throughout the United States good Americans watching baseball joining together and enjoying a game as they should, and I think that that's what we should be focusing on and not paying attention to some of these talking heads that they just want to see their popularity increase in Twitter. Last question, doctor. Speaking of your medical advice, I was at a CVS pharmacy yesterday just looking to buy some potion stamps very exciting stuff and there were people lined up to get their booster shots and they were administering the shots just you know down the down the street from me and it got me thinking again i've talked to some of our other fox doctors about this in your opinion and when you're talking to your patients what is your approach on booster shots i have not gotten one because i had two shots plus covid and I'm of a certain age and health level where I feel like for now I'm okay with that. Uh, is that an okay, reasonable calculus on my part? Is it different, though, the older you get? I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the president has four my, shots. My, I'm happy that the right. speaker has three shots. It makes me less nervous about them. Right. But what, what guidance do you give your patients? My philosophy right now, based on, on, on the data that I have analyzed, 65, get, get three shots. Under 65, stick with the two unless you have a chronic medical condition. Uh, over 75, consider your fourth uh, uh, because I think that after 75, uh, you know, there are potential issues with chronic illnesses of, the, of your lungs that it's not a bad idea. And what I tell people is, you know, is it safe to take three? Is it safe to take four? You know, I, I was very amused by that story in Germany of that guy that was selling uh, uh, COVID cars and he took like 90 shots one after the other so he can collect 90 cars and sell them on eBay. 
so if the guy took 90 shots and is still around, three shots are perfectly safe. Oh, man, that is quite a – we would not recommend that out of Germany. What a, what a business model that was. But it sounds like age is a really important factor here. Age, as it always has been with COVID, and medical conditions, underlying conditions, as it always has been with COVID. And then there's the, the X factor of natural immunity. But that seems sensible to me coming from you, a medical doctor, Fox News contributor, senior health analyst, Dr. Manny Alvarez, here on The Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Doctor, appreciate it. Enjoy Thank the weekend, and uh, let's see if the Yankees might be able to Come on, we uh, got pull one this more one out shot. in the Bronx. We got one more shot. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, go Yanks. All right, thanks, Doctor. And with that, we will take a quick break, and we will be right back. It is The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. It is the Guy Benson Show on this Friday from our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., in the Tony Snow Studios. Fox News alert. Just moments ago, John Kirby was briefing at the Pentagon. And, of course, many of the questions focused on Russia and Ukraine. There was a horrible bombing of civilians at a train station earlier. And some of the questions that were being asked of Kirby came from our colleague here at Fox News, Lucas Tomlinson. I want you to hear some of that exchange again. This was moments ago at the Pentagon. John, NATO says that up to 15,000 Russian soldiers have been killed fighting in Ukraine. Is there any evidence or indications that the Russians are reinforcing those losses? I can't uh, confirm the number, and you know we've stayed away from uh, providing estimates on the numbers. We do know that they have taken casualties, um, both wounded and, and, and killed. Um, what I can tell you, uh, Luke, is sort of a two-part answer here. One, uh, as we have seen Russian forces leave the north and move into Belarus and into Russia, uh, we are beginning to see indications uh, that they are, in fact, uh, uh, working on ways of refitting and resupplying uh, these units, including discussions about how to, how to re- replace uh, lost troops. Now, some of these units are almost completely devastated. And uh, it's unclear whether uh, they will ever be reformed uh, or whether they'll be combined with, with uh, other units that are less depleted in manpower, equipment, vehicles. So they're working their way through all that right now. Um, remains to be seen h- how fast they'll be able to do it and with what. But we have seen indications that they are uh, looking at their manning shortages and some of these units and how they're going uh, to try to fix it. Do you know how many Russian soldiers they're looking to call up or send in? Uh, we have uh, seen some reports that uh, they are looking at uh, mobilizing uh, reservists, tens of thousands perhaps. But uh, again, I think that remains to be, remains to be seen. And just to follow up to Rio's question, uh, the, is the secretary disappointed that the U.S. Navy is not planning to build a lot more ships to keep up with China. China's shipbuilding program is on a linear trajectory, and the U.S. Navy shipbuilding trajectory is very flat. Does that I, concern I think, him? I mean, I, I, I don't know that I can approve upon the secretary, secretary's own words on this yesterday, but he, he clearly got uh, an opportunity to speak to shipbuilding yesterday at the hearing in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee, and then again on Tuesday with the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, I would just tell you that the truncated version here is the secretary is very comfortable with 
the shipbuilding uh, uh, request that we are making for 2023, uh, which includes nine Okay, so new they are discussing force. the size of the U.S. Navy there, but I want to, uh, you to hear that answer to the question about Russian forces in particular uh, from the Pentagon. Meanwhile, coming back to the topic we've been just discussing on COVID, and just during the break, I was looking up at our screens in here. CNN had a big report about all these people testing positive in D.C. and these prominent people, and they were circling them in a photograph of surrounding the president. This person was positive. This person was positive. MSNBC just did a whole segment. They had a doctor on the Chiron on the screen was White House. Biden may test positive at some point. Well, no bleep. Everyone might test positive at some point. It's not news. But this is like the type of excitement almost in the D.C. and New York based press where they're just kind of like they're they can't wait to come back to this story in a lot of ways. And that's why I'm pushing back a little bit today. We played you the clip from yesterday, Ducey versus Saki, where Saki was telling our colleague Peter Ducey that the kiss between Biden and Pelosi wasn't and didn't constitute close contact because it technically wasn't 15 minutes per the CDC. Well, we got another fun exchange just minutes ago. This was today's briefing. Ducey had more questions about the rules, and this time it was about Vice President Harris. And in Cut 41, you will hear a very interesting response from Saki on mask wearing. Listen here. We had the event outside today. I will tell you that the vice president has been wearing a mask inside. When there was a private greet, they were all wearing masks uh, before they went out. wearing a mask yesterday at the Senate. She was uh, playing an important role in in confirming or overseeing the confirmation of the first black woman to the Supreme Court. Ah, well. I mean, as the science has shown, the virus knows an important historical event when it sees one, and all bets are off temporarily in that moment. By the way, I see on Fox, same graphic now, same quote, President may test a positive at some point. Yeah, yeah, of course. I love that answer from Saki. Because Peter Ducey almost like baits the trap. Why is the vice president hugging all these people? She says, well, that was outdoors and outdoors is fine. And I agree. Outdoors is safe. But then Saki said indoors, she's wearing a mask. Uh, But she wasn't yesterday during the vote in the Senate, which is indoors, responds Peter Ducey. And Saki says, well, she was presiding over a very important historical event. So I guess there's there's a little a science, a science carve out, capital S science carve out for when the vice president is. And now I wonder if it was less historic. Like, it, let's say it had been a white man being confirmed to the Supreme Court and the vice president were there. Would she have to wear a mask or is it the historic nature that allows the science to have changed? Inquiring minds must know. It's just it's so silly. It's so ridiculous. Oh, it was an important event. Okay. They were doing mask shaming of Republican senators, but not Democrat senators. I saw that on Twitter yesterday. It just feels like politics all the way down with a lot of these people. Live from the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show.
a brand new hour on the Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Thank you for tuning in every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, GuyBensonShow.com for all the ways to listen live, plus the podcast on demand free of charge. That's GuyBensonShow.com. Fox News alert. The Dow ends the day and the week up 137 points today, closing at 34,721. Joining us now is the Attorney General of the state of Florida, Ashley Moody, and she is involved in a few lawsuits against the Biden administration that we are curious to hear more about. And it's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Great to be with you. So let's start with this immigration-related effort. And I know that there's legislation that's been proposed now as well that is trying to at least enhance states' abilities to enforce immigration laws that the federal government cannot or will not. Give us the background to this, if you would. Absolutely. Well, you may remember, you know, Back in 2012, I believe it was, around there, there were many states uh, that were trying to pass state laws to uh, require that their law enforcement officials, their state law enforcement officials, uh, arrest those that were within their states uh, and here illegally. And there was a Supreme Court case, Arizona, that basically said, no, you know, this is the purview of the federal government, these state laws requiring or permitting state officers to do this. You know, that can't happen. That's not allowed. And so, you know, we, you know, recognizing that as the state's uh, chief law enforcement officer in Florida and certainly as a lawyer, had been working with my team to say, okay, what do we need to do to make it legal to allow our state law enforcement officials to do the work that clearly the federal government, Mayorkas and Biden, are refusing to do? And so I worked closely with Congressman Posey here from Florida, and I'm I'm proud to say he's rolled out uh, proposed legislation and and introduced that that would give state law enforcement officials the ability to step in and do the job where DHS fails. And what's your legal theory of why that would be upheld by a Supreme Court that struck down previous efforts – sort of along these same lines? Right. Great question. And again, that's why I started with the original efforts that came out of the state legislatures uh, permitting state law enforcement officials to do this. So historically, that had been state laws giving this permission. And of course, the United States Supreme Court said, no, you know, constitutionally, immigration, naturalization, that's a federal issue. So this is a federal bill is the difference. Right. So that's the difference. Correct. So my team of lawyers, when we, you know, Florida has had some real struggles with this out of control, chaotic border and its effects here in Florida. So as we were seeing, you know, not to mention the very first act, which when they told our sheriffs to arrest people that were here illegally committing crimes in our state back into our communities rather than deport them as is required by federal statute. We became so frustrated. We sued. We demanded they do what's required. I mean, it's not an optional discretionary thing. It's mandatory. They're just not doing it. In fact, Democratic and Republican presidential administrations historically have at least deported those who are illegally committing crimes, but not the Biden administration. 
So we knew we were going to have to do something different. This this was a this was a um, refusal to follow federal law like we had never seen, endangering our citizens. So we immediately got to work working with uh, you know the congressional representatives here in Florida, and we're proud to say just this week Congressman Posey presented that legislation. Although, just realistically speaking, this is going nowhere for now, at least, right? Because Pelosi in the House won't allow a vote on this. The Democrats hold the Senate. At the other hand, if, you know, if there was some miracle and they were able to get a few Democrats on board, because I know there are some anxious Democrats about Title 42, for example. Right? It could be, you know, they could never bring it up for a vote in either of the chambers. I think Biden would almost certainly veto it if it somehow managed to escape Congress. So is this sort of uh, an attempt to signal something that Republicans might be able to achieve or at least move the football down the field on should they take over the Congress, one or both houses, a few months from now? Well, certainly that would be, you know, at the at one end of the spectrum, which what we would like to see if, in fact, we take control as, ex- as expected. But, you know, you're seeing some bipartisan uh, efforts to try and tackle some of these border issues. I mean, you know, you saw a bipartisan group step up uh, to push back on their announcement of the cancellation of of, of re- repelling folks from coming in under Title 42 uh, when they announced they were going to uh, end that. You know, I, I think it's going to get so bad. We're already seeing record fentanyl overdoses, 18 to 45, working-age population, People just dropping dead because of them, the cartels getting drugs from China, smuggling it over our southern border. It's getting laced with all kinds of illicit traditional drugs. So it's affecting our economy, the security in our communities. I mean, over 500 percent increase in traffickers detained at the border, over 200 percent increase in sexual offenders detained at the border. We know that criminals are are profiting and flourishing under this. In Florida, we've already had people murdered because of this lax immigration enforcement and not only just the failure to not to, to strengthen and not allow people to come in, but Biden's actually transporting people all over the country, especially into Florida. Right. You know, it's at some point, you know, it starts affecting the economy, the security, the resources of states. I mean, we spend a hundred million dollars a year just incarcerating people here committing crimes against floridians so you know i don't know that at some point when you're losing people to opioid deaths at the rate of a jumbo jet a day i mean this is truly a foreign adversary's dream i've said that before i mean they are doing in an indirect way what if they were coming in and doing directly i mean they're having such an effect on our nation without even picking up a a weapon I think it's destabilizing our country. I think it's making less safe. And at some point, you would hope, regardless of party, the leaders that are being put in this position would have to say, you know, country comes first. And whatever your radical liberal agenda is out of Washington, you've got to protect our country and citizens. Well, no, no, no. You have to understand when they say country over party, that only means Republicans should do what Democrats want. I mean, that's what that (laughs) translates into. In Washington, D.C., when they say country over party, that's never an admonition to the Democrats. It's an admonition to the Republicans to vote with the Democrats. So a, a couple things here based on what you just said. Number one, yes, it's true that there's some bipartisan concern that's growing 
about the crisis at the border. I think it's interesting that some of the people who are now putting out statements and rushing to, you know, oh, yes, no, I'm very I'm very worried about this. We need to do something. They have voted every step of the way in favor of and defended these terrible policies. I saw Raphael Warnock in Georgia, for example, had been in favor of ending Title 42. Now he's against it because I think he's worried about the politics and the optics at the border heading into his reelection year. So, you know, I'll give him maybe half a piece of credit for that. But it's it seems like it might be uh, driven by something that's at least partially self-interested. That's just one observation. The second thing that I want to pick up on that you said, you were talking about people being flown, illegal immigrants being flown into Florida, sometimes under the cover of night, you know, dropped off at airports, basically, from Texas and Arizona. It's happening in other states as well. I saw that Governor Ron DeSantis, in fact, he mentioned this uh, when he and I were chatting last week when I was down in Tallahassee. He's made the announcement that he has gotten money from the legislature that should that continue to happen, he will reroute those illegal immigrants landing in Florida straight to Delaware and Martha's Vineyard. And I think conservatives find that entertaining. They like that idea. We talked yesterday on the show about Texas proposing something similar, busing these immigrants straight to the Capitol in Washington, D.C., like to the steps of the Capitol Rotunda. Um, it seems like, obviously, the messaging there is to draw attention to the crisis and to force the people responsible for the crisis to uh, grapple and live with those consequences. But there have been critics well, saying, it's, it, is it legal? Like, it seems like this might be a publicity stunt that isn't legal. In your mind, would that be legal to simply take state money and reroute illegal immigrants sent to Florida to Delaware, for example? Well, as you know, uh, Governor DeSantis and I work very closely together here in Florida. And this is something that we've been talking about for a very long time, because, you know, it's no secret that this this chaos uh, at our border is is affecting, you know, red states, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Florida. I mean, you know, I think the point that Texas and Florida is trying to make, why don't you have your resources depleted? Why don't you deal with the crimes that are resulting from this in your own states? You know, not everyone that's coming across the border is going to commit a crime here, but we know that it is happening. You can look at the statistics. And there, that is why it is required that the federal government detain and deport those that are here legally committing crimes, because we know, pursuant to federal studies, that they that many, many, many will reoffend. So I think um, there are ways, there are, are legal ways that we could make that happen. I mean, it's going to be all in how it's framed. Uh, and, and certainly I will work closely with Governor DeSantis to ensure that uh, we're able to do that. I think the key and the difference between trying to arrange and provide and require transportation domestically from one state to another and the difference between allowing us to detain someone here that needs to be detained, that says shall be detained under federal law, is that we have to have the federal government do what's required of them. They're the ones that can deport. States can't deport. So in terms of um, other nations. Now, this would be moving someone to another jurisdiction within the United States. It'd be like a, a transfer as opposed to uh, a deportation, if you will. So Quickly, I last question for you. And, and my yeah. guest here is the Florida Attorney General, Ashley Moody. This was a question that I asked Governor DeSantis in our interview last week, and it was breaking at the time, I think it was last Tuesday, that Florida was involved in a lawsuit against the Biden administration over ongoing mask requirements on 
airplanes and other modes of transportation. As someone who flies a fair amount, I am very, very, very eager to not have to wear a mask in airports and airplanes anymore. Um, so I'm, I'm fully on board with the outcome that you're seeking here. What's the law that you're citing? What's the argument that you're making that this is no longer something that is legal for the Biden administration to enforce? That's a great question. And Florida is, in fact, leading that lawsuit. Uh, 20 other states have joined us, but we are leading that effort. And it's really the same basis we've uh, fought and won on in previous lawsuits, whether that was the cruise case that we had to bring to reopen our cruise industry, where 60 percent of the nation's cruises leave Florida, or uh, whether that was uh, the the lawsuit uh, against the OSHA mandate. I mean, it's not whether or not it's legal right this moment. It was whether or not it was legal when the CDC initially imposed it. And I think at this point, I mean, everyone can see that this was done, um, you know, well after COVID started, you know, months after they announced it was going to do it, although they did it under an emergency basis, there was no notice and comment. Uh, and this was a CDC order that gave uh, that was followed by a TSA order that provided for some penalties. Uh, but this is a something that came out of the administration with civil and criminal penalties that forces transportation workers to enforce it. And it's just been allowed to stand for so long. I don't think it was legal in the first place based on the same uh, arguments we made before that, that a, the CDC doesn't have the ability to enforce industry-wide mandates like this that force employees to um, make sure that it's upheld. And, you know, ultimately, uh, I now everyone sees that, you know, they, they want to undo the health concerns and orders at the border, but they want to keep two-year-olds on planes wearing a mask. Yeah, no, that's it's just crazy. Right. Title 42. Got to get rid of it because the pandemic's over. So we can't use that as a tool anymore to enforce at the border. But toddlers on airplanes. Yeah. The the, the science in that case means that it has to keep it just makes absolutely no sense. And to the extent that you guys are holding their feet to the fire uh, using, you know, legal tools to do so, uh, I'm on board. The attorney general of Florida is Ashley Moody, my guest here on The Guy Benson Show today. We really appreciate you taking some time for us, and have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks so much. Of course. We will take a quick break here. Step aside. Short, short break. Back after this on The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. I'm Guy Benson. I think it's been a minute since people were still caring about the slap incident at the Oscars with Will Smith and Chris Rock. But if you still care and you're still paying attention to it, development today, the Academy has banned Will Smith from attending the Oscars for the next decade. So uh, do with that what you will. Meanwhile, I touched on this very briefly yesterday with Tom Bevan when we were talking politics. And I just want to drill down just a little bit. Here's the headline from FoxNews.com. Kenosha County flips red. After decades of Dem leadership, so there's this Republican-aligned candidate who campaigned on saving taxpayer money, a fairly traditional conservative argument, and the county executive position has flipped to the Republicans for the first time in decades. Now, Kenosha County may ring a bell 
because that is where there were widespread violent riots in the summer of 2020. Right. There was uh, a number. There's a series of events. I think the Jacob Blake case was also in Kenosha. But during that summer of violence, that area of southern Wisconsin was absolutely rocked. That's where we got the epic CNN graphic. Fiery, but mostly peaceful. Right. The protests were fiery, but mostly peaceful. As you can see, the city on fire behind the correspondent who happens to be my buddy. Omar Jimenez, who had no responsibility for the graphic on the screen. He was just reporting what was happening. Then there was the the shooting, of course, with Kyle Rittenhouse. That was in the streets of Kenosha. He was acquitted, I think rightfully, given the charges against him. And so there was a lot of upheaval in that area. And it's not a big place, Kenosha. It's not a major city. It's not like some of the other places that we saw consumed by arson and looting and that sort of thing over that summer, which was often downplayed, poo-pooed, dismissed, or even defended or rationalized by some people on the left. Well, the good people of Kenosha County, Wisconsin, have decided that I guess they've had enough. They saw what happened to their community. They had an opportunity to change some leadership at the local level. And for the first time in decades, you now have a Republican in that position. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. Uh, Relatedly, this is just fantastic. I saw Nate Hockman. We've had him on the show from National Review. He had a lefty write a whole piece attacking him and National Review and conservatives over criticism of the riots and the violence. And this was an actual line in that piece from a leftist. Multiple studies indicate violence at BLM protests was overwhelmingly peaceful. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. The violence, he wrote was overwhelmingly peaceful. Do they even listen to themselves? We'll be right back. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. How's it going? Thanks for listening. I'm Guy Benson. This is the Guy Benson Show on a Friday. It's beautiful. Hope you're having a good Friday wherever you are. GuyBensonShow.com podcast is always free. With us now is Will Kane, co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday. Also host of the Will Kane podcast. And, sir, welcome back to the show. Hey, Guy. What's up? Well, what's up is I want to hear a story from you because I saw, I believe, either on your Instagram or your Twitter feed... You had a picture of you and Piers Morgan doing an interview for your podcast, the Will Cain podcast, foxnewspodcast.com, if you want to check that out. Piers Morgan has a Fox Nation show that's debuting. And you mentioned that one of the things that you guys discuss in this podcast episode was a previous exchange or a previous confrontation on air over the issue of guns, where you said that Pierce had, I guess, sandbagged you in some context. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a pretty good story there. So if you could just tell us the story and then maybe give us like a little tease of how the follow-up conversation just went between you guys. So 10 years ago, I was a contributor at CNN, and I was sort of their conservative voice. Piers Morgan was a host of a primetime show, and he was deep into his gun control 
fervor. He would go every night on CNN talking about how America should basically have our guns confiscated. He focused most of his ire on the AR-15. He invited me on to that show to have a, as I understood it, debate about gun control. Now, this was before Ben Shapiro infamously went on the Piers Morgan show and dismantled Piers' arguments on gun control. I was excited at the opportunity because I think many pro-gun conservatives saw all of the logical inconsistencies in his argument. I show up, Guy, to do Piers' show, and I walk into the set, and I realize it's a town hall. I'm not doing a one-on-one conversation with Piers. I'm not even necessarily just on a panel. I'm sitting in the audience of a town hall. There are probably 100 people in chairs in the studio. In the middle of the studio is an um, elevated stage with Piers and Deepak Chopra and I don't know who else, all pro-gun control. And I'm in the crowd, and everyone else in the crowd is a family member of a victim of gun violence. It is Sandy Hook parents. It's people that were there that day that Gabby Giffords was shot in Arizona, and I had no idea, and it was like I'd been fed to the lion. And you know, when it was over, I think I saw Piers, and I ended up talking for maybe 30 seconds, maybe two answered two questions, and I saw Piers in the hallway. Then By the way, just to I'm, jump in, that reminds me a few years later of the Parkland Town Hall that they did over at CNN. And what happened with Rubio and Dana Lash, and they had people yelling and booing and screaming and sort of like – I think someone called it uh, grief porn Thunderdome, which was uh, an interesting way of putting it. This was a precursor to that, and you were one of the – you know, one of the the designated bad guys, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. And I saw him in the hallways back in the day, and I just – you know, I was decently good spirit about it. I was like, you sandbagging SOB, and he kind of laughed, and Piers does have a very charming way about him – I would call it a self-awareness about him that makes him charming. So, you know, I'd say two or three weeks ago, I was at the Daytona 500 for Fox and Friends, and I was playing football on the beach with Pete Hegseth, and I, I just had board shorts on, no, no top, no nothing. Neither did Pete. And I walk up to the pool from the beach, and sitting there, you know, at a little cafe table. I'll be damned if it isn't Piers Morgan, who I haven't seen in a decade. And I didn't know if he'd recognize me or remember me. And I kind of walked over, and I said, yeah, I'll say hi. I said, Piers. And he's like, hey, Will. And so you remember it, and we laughed about it 10 years later. And so I had him on the podcast just last week. I hope you go check it out. But I just want to tell, let him know that you know, now that he's on my podcast, what I wanted, had arranged is I had all of the um, first responders, nurses, firemen, policemen, who have been fired under the vaccine mandates that he had been advocating for so passionately over the past year so we just thought we'd visit that with all of those people in the audience mm-hmm. or so he could account to them <laughs> of course, or maybe you could that. you could have him on uh fox and friends weekend there in that big studio studio m you could get a bunch of people you know find a hundred people who had defended themselves with guns and saved their own lives with their firearms and and have him come in uh into the exactly. lion's den and and <laughs> deal with their jeering and see if he would enjoy it he actually might enjoy it <laughs> You know, he was on. He 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 and I did an hour long podcast together. We visited over a lot of the things that we agree on because he, he has come. I think he's come to see the light on many issues. He certainly seems to be an advocate for free speech and anti wokeness. But we also debated right. some on guns, and we debated some on his COVID. Uh, he's he was he's been rabidly pro vaccine mandates, and 
coming down hard on anybody disagrees with him. And he's changed. He said he's changed on a lot of that stuff. So it was it was good. I enjoy I enjoy a spirited exchange, and I enjoyed having that conversation with peers on the Will Kane podcast. Talking sports just briefly here, any residual thoughts on the NCAA tournament? I know you're a college sports guy. I enjoy March Madness, even though my own team almost never participates. This year was a, a fun tournament and, uh, you know, a couple fun storylines. Uh, any big takeaways for you? You know, um, uh, Blue Blood Invitational, you know, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, and Villanova. Mm-hmm. My, my takeaway is um, – so I was in Montana this week, guy. I filmed this really cool thing for Fox and Friends, and again for the Will Kane podcast with Steve Rinella, who is Meat Eater. I don't know if you've ever seen that show on Netflix, Meat Eater. Really cool show. I've not. And we went fly fishing on the Yellowstone River in Montana. But my youngest son, just as I mean, this is not tied into the event, but I don't know what kind of sports fan you are, but I have a son who was born this way. He randomly picked North Carolina. He's never watched a North Carolina game. He has no reason to root for North Carolina over Kansas. And there we are at this party in Montana, and he is literally red-faced, tears coming to his eyes as Kansas mounts that comeback from 15 down. I'm like, dude, you didn't even – you can't name a player on North Carolina. Ten minutes ago, <laughs> you didn't know a player. And the truth is that's how I was, and that's sports right there. You have to have a vested rooting interest, and it makes every event great. You know, I will say in our neighborhood, a lot of people did brackets, and the top two finishers in the neighborhood bracket – were my husband and my neighbor's wife, neither of whom know anything about college basketball. They, they may have picked based on, like, uniform colors. I don't even know what they went with. But those were the winners of the bracket. And, then like, the, the dads in the neighborhood who really thought about it and watch a lot of sports uh, were all just blown out of the water. And I think there's some bitterness there. Hey, what does that say about expertise, guy? Like, you, you've, I'm sure you've heard all the same <laughs> stuff about, like, uh, random stock pickers are better than the, you know, Wall Street millionaires <laughs> are picking stocks. You know, I, in the age of the, the, the deference to expertise, maybe we should really step back and think about that. <laughs> uh, so the Masters, are you a golf guy? Are you following this Tiger stuff? I'm definitely following the Tiger stuff. It looks like he's... He's plus two. It looks like the cut's going to be four. So he he's he's running up against it. He's made twenty one out of twenty one Masters cuts. I love stories of resilience. I love stories of comeback. Haven't always been an easy Tiger fan because uh, I don't think he has the easiest personality. But I think almost everybody's on board with this comeback story, and I really hope he makes the cut. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to see another another miracle run. Am I a golf guy? I watch the Masters, I watch the Majors, and I don't play. And just the other day, one of my buddies was telling me what a massive life mistake I've made in not really investing in becoming a golfer. You know, I don't golf and I don't ski, and people tell me, you seem like someone who would do both. I just don't. I, it's just it's just not my thing. <laughs> I don't really watch golf either. I like to get down to Augusta at some point, like bucket list type thing. I don't watch it. I, I tell you, a lot of people are rooting, of course, for this comeback. They're, of course, rooting for Tiger to make the cut. And no one is rooting harder than the executives at CBS Sports. They yeah, are, they exactly. are like, praying. They're, you know, praying the rosary, whatever they need to do, like burning incense. Please let this guy get in because uh, the ratings will be through the roof. Uh, baseball opening day, the last yesterday and today, 
I have not checked the Yankees' score. They're playing the Red Sox. They were losing in the eighth. So I'll check that maybe in the commercial break. We'll talk baseball maybe next time we have you on here, Will. We'll be watching Fox and Friends weekend, Saturday, Sunday, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on FNC. Thanks, Will. You bet. Thanks, man. Our colleague, Will Kane. Fox and Friends co-host, and check out that podcast, the Will Kane Podcast, at foxnewspodcasts.com. You can also, while you're there, might as well get our podcast as well. Subscribe. That'd be great. Leave us a little review. We'll be right back on The Guy Benson Show. Back on The Guy Benson Show, we've got Fridays with Cat coming up. Cat Tim in the next hour on the Guy Benson Show. Happy hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. On deck here on the program. First, something a bit more serious from the Washington Free Beacon. Here's this story today. Several of Russia's top state-controlled nuclear companies stand to gain billions of dollars in revenue as part of a new nuclear accord with Iran that will waive sanctions on these firms so they can build up Tehran's nuclear infrastructure. This according to a U.S. government-authored document reviewed by the Washington Free Beacon. Russia's state-controlled Rosatom Energy Firm and at least four of its major subsidiaries will receive sanctions waivers under a new accord so they can complete nuclear projects in Iran worth more than $10 billion. This according to the document. The document's authenticity confirmed by a former senior U.S. official who said it was used by the Trump administration during internal talks about potential sanctions on Iran's nuclear program and its Russian enablers. With a new nuclear accord being finalized, the Biden administration has repeatedly guaranteed Russia that it will not face sanctions for its work on Iranian nuclear sites, even as Moscow faces a barrage of international penalties for its unprovoked war in Ukraine. And, of course, I would also add the war crimes that we're seeing being committed in Ukraine. So this is just a carve out to the sanctions for Russia. And that's sort of like a thank you note from the Biden administration for the work Russia is doing on the Biden administration's behalf vis-a-vis the Iranians, because the Iranian regime will not meet or talk with our people. So we're using the Russians, Putin's folks, as intermediaries to give countless billions of dollars in sanctions relief to Iran, the leading state sponsor of terrorism in the world, to then enshrine their nuclear program, which will become a nuclear weapons program within a matter of years, with very few restrictions after the time horizons expire, and they have these provisions sunset, which is soon under the short week deal that's being reported. And for their trouble, the Russians get to enrich themselves as well. I know we've talked about this issue before, but I think it is shocking again, like shocking anew to read about this stuff written down in documents that have been confirmed by U.S. officials, particularly given what the Russians have been up to in Ukraine, murdering men, women and children, committing rape, bombing hospitals. That is the regime that we're relying on to do our bidding with an even more anti-American regime to give them and enrich them with hundreds of billions of dollars and a globally blessed nuclear program. It is absolutely nuts 
And yet that is the actual policy of the Biden administration today. Now, you may have seen this news just horrific earlier, the bombing of a train station in Ukraine. Dozens of civilians murdered, including children. The images are grisly and grotesque, as you might imagine. The Russians are targeting civilians on purpose. There's a man named Mikhail Ulyanov, whose name I have said before on this show, who's out on Twitter just spouting Kremlin propaganda about what happened in that bombing at the train station. Saying that, oh, no, these missiles, we we don't have those missiles and uh, the eyewitnesses were wrong and just totally blaming the bombing on the Ukrainians, saying that the Ukrainians bombed their own civilians with weapons that the Russians don't have, even though the Russians have bragged about having those weapons. Like, no one believes this stuff, but this guy, Mikhail Ulyanov, is amplifying the lie, the insulting, deadly lie of his overlords because he is a Russian Kremlin Putin diplomat. And he's not just any Russian Kremlin diplomat. He is the diplomat who is leading the negotiations with the Iranians in this Iran deal. This man lying, making excuses, victim blaming over these war crimes. He is the man the Biden administration is relying upon to get our interests represented in the room during this Iran deal that they are so desperate for that they're willing to hand the keys to the car over to this guy. He's the one you might remember. We played some sound of him on the show in an interview bragging about what an amazing deal it was for Iran, how they got so much more, the mullahs in Tehran, so much more than anyone could have expected, a big win for the Iranians. He was also clearly very just pleased as punch, tickled with how well the Russians were going to make out in this deal, and went out of his way to shout out the Chinese for all of their help. Think about all this. It's the same physical person lying about the war crimes of his government in truly insulting fashion, while at the same time being propped up as legitimate by the White House, leaning on him to finalize a deal with one of the most virulent anti-American regimes in the world that wants Israel wiped off the face of the earth, that chants death to America, calls us the great Satan, foments terrorism in the region, and is pursuing illicit nuclear weapons. The Biden people are desperate to shovel cash at them, and they're doing it through this man. Because the Iranians won't talk directly to us. I mean, it honestly, and I've said this before, it feels like a parody of left-wing, weak, capitulation-minded foreign policy. But it's not a parody. It's not satire. It's not something cooked up by the Babylon Bee. It is actually the active policy of the Biden administration. And the people who are really happy about it are the Iranian regime, the Russian regime, and the Chinese regime. Meanwhile, our Congress doesn't actually have the verbiage of this would-be deal yet. And it's so disturbing that even a growing number of Democrats on Capitol Hill are publicly coming out 
and raising their concerns about what is happening behind closed doors, as they should. What a debacle. Let's hope it never happens. Because, I mean, you can't make up what a disaster this is. I'm almost grateful to Mikhail Ulyanov for just laying bare the farce, the fraud that's underway. But the adults are back in charge, they tell us. And they want our gratitude for that. Amazing. All right, we will turn the page to the happy hour next. Cat Timp, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's the Guy Benson Show. in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Happy Hour on this Friday. It's the Guy Benson Show. Welcome in. Glad to have you here as we chug toward the weekend together. Almost there, an hour to go, and an hour that you do not want to miss. You never want to miss the happy hour, especially the home stretch any day. I'd say that's particularly true on Fridays. Our website here, GuyBensonShow.com. Podcasts always free of charge, including Bonus Benson on the weekends. GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also follow us on social media, at Guy Benson Show. That's Twitter and also Instagram. And this hour is sponsored by our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. Crisp, cold, delicious, refreshing, and alcoholic. So 21 plus only, please. Always drink responsibly. TheLongDrink.com, you can see where they've expanded near you. Eight new states in the last month or so, which is exciting. TheLongDrink.com. Well, it is Friday, and it is the happy hour, and that means it's time for Fridays with Cat. Our friend Cat Timpf, Fox News contributor, co-host of Gutfeld Exclamation Point every weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern, Fox News Channel. She also co-hosts the Tyrus and Timpf podcast, and she joins us now from our New York studios. Cat, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. It's always my pleasure. No, the pleasure, in <laughs> fact, is mine, Cat Timpf. Before we get to very important issues, and we only cover important issues with you. Of course. I want to begin with a congratulations to you and the whole team at Gutfeld. You just celebrated one year on the air this week. Mm -hmm. And before you reflect on the year that was, I have to say I was shocked that it was a year. Honestly, it's felt like maybe six or seven months. I know. the fact that it's been a year, it has flown by. You're doing it every day. Yes. Did that sneak up on you? It did. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's been a whole year because we are like we are having so much fun. And I think, you know, if I said, man, it feels like it's been 40 years, then that would probably mean we weren't having as much fun. But it, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's flying by. And I saw some of the ratings. You guys had a monster week. What was it last week or just recently? Just a huge series of numbers. And that's exciting. It's a big tribute to you guys. I think it's also a tribute to the horrible competition that you all yeah, have probably <laughs> in the true. comedy space like it's just all so predictable and monolithic you guys are something different and to the extent that i am a small part of the success usually once a month uh that's been a lot of fun i'll be back up there in just a few weeks joining the team so congrats any thoughts on that first year 
that you want to just get off your chest? I mean, no. I mean, it's like it's uh, it's been amazing. I think it's funny um, if you look at the ratings. There are also my belief, and what I find out more and more is like there are people who like sneaky watch it. You know, people pretend they don't watch it. They do. As in, people would deny it to their friends. Yeah, but exactly. It turns out, like, they actually no, watch they're it. watching. They'll be like, "Oh yeah, that Greg Gutfield guy." You know, kind of like when Tyrus and I do our podcast, we refer to Greg as Craig Butterfield because we don't want to give him that satisfaction. <laughs> but we do know his name is Craig. <laughs> I saw someone <laughs> recently in some media exchange mentioned Greg, and then yeah, it was it Bill Maher and Quentin Tarantino doing the weed smoking podcast, and they kept calling him Greg Gutfield. They're like, "Oh yeah, I've like seen like two seconds of it." It's like that's not true. It's not true. You you what you've seen more than that, and you know yeah, what his watching. name is. Yeah, they're both watching, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, Bill Maher at this point not really surprised because right. he's at least a little bit unorthodox and not going along with the with the herd on everything and tarantino is just sort of a weird dude so it makes sense he's probably a fan of yours actually i hope so i love when people are fans of me (laughs) and you have legions legions and legions of fans you can barely go anywhere these days without being (laughs) stopped in the street um let's talk about a very crucial exchange that happened in a courtroom in florida this week And I'll just preface it because we talked about it on Outnumbered yesterday, and it's important to acknowledge that this is part of the jury selection process for a very serious trial. Yes. I believe it's the death penalty phase of the kid who was convicted of shooting up that high school a few years ago down in South Florida, which was just awful, the Parkland shooting, Mm -hmm. uh, gut-wrenching incident. And that individual whose name – I try to avoid using their names, these mass shooters, because I think they want publicity. I'm not going to mention him by name, but he was convicted, and now a jury is going to decide uh, the punishment stage of this. But in the course of picking jurors, something went viral, mm-hmm. and I believe we have a Guy Benson show exclusive here, which is Cat Temp's first reaction to this. Yeah, because cause I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, you haven't heard it at all yet? No. Oh, okay. So buckle up for this. Here was a woman explaining to the judge why she is going to be too busy to serve on this jury. Let's listen to Cut 38. So I'm reading. So it's a whole entire month. First of all, let me clarify myself. Okay. July 7th is my birthday. The 4th is my son. The 8th is my other son. So that ain't going to work off me. Then they're going to realize... Okay, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Don't talk too fast, please. We have to be able to understand. So you said that the July... There's dates in in, in July that you're not available. What are those dates? July 7th. July 4th, which is closed, and July 18th. But then again, I need to figure out something. I have my sugar daddy that I see every day. I'm sorry? <laughs> my sugar daddy. Okay, I'm not exactly sure what you're talking about. But well, I'm married and I have my, my sugar daddy. Okay. I see him every day. All right, ma'am, we'll come back to you, okay? Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> okay, so it starts with a sort of a, a questionable excuse that she has a birthday and her sons have birthdays, and that's going to be a busy month of July. Then we get to the real main event, the main which event. is her sugar daddy. She's married, and then she has her sugar daddy, and being away, because this could be a month apparently, weeks worth of That's a lot of lost or, income. <laughs> so she <laughs> sees him every day, according to uh, this lady in open court. The judge is a little confused, or right. at least Pretending confusion. confusion. Everyone knows what a sugar yeah. daddy is. I mean, I think at this point, probably. Right? Yeah, but so I think I'm she's curious, probably. How do you feel about. Confused. I, I think she knows exactly what a sugar daddy is, but I think she might have. I, I, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt that she was probably having a. Um, is this real life moment? Yes. Like, I'm, I'm sure sorry. She, she's like, my sugar daddy. She's like, what? My sugar daddy? 
Um, I see my sugar daddy every day. I am also married, but then in addition to my husband, I have a sugar daddy who I have sex with for money. So I'm going to need to do that. And like this trial, this death penalty trial will not, uh, will really cut into my having sex for money time. So I think that, which again, you do you, boo. Is that a valid excuse, Kat? Look. I, 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 and, I, and also, hang on, follow-up, follow-up. Is it a valid excuse, and is it just money, or is it also not gifts and expensive things? I thought that was sort of part of the arrangement. Well, I mean, every arrangement is different, I guess. For that's that's You can kind of make it whatever you want it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, choose uh, your own adventure. You choose your own, I, I think it's a choose-your-own-adventure situation. Um, I, I, I just, I think the boldness, I think it was good. Maybe she doesn't even have a sugar daddy, but maybe she was like, if I say this... Like, there's no way I'll get chosen for a death penalty trial at all. So either, okay, so what I'm hearing from your analysis, and this is, again, a Guy Benson show exclusive. Yes. We have Kat Timpf reacting for the first time to the Sugar Daddy clip. You believe this is either, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting, either refreshing honesty from this woman who is indeed a sugar baby, a term that I introduced to the ladies on Outnumbered yesterday, mm. and they said they had not heard that one before, but yeah, I am okay. using that correctly, uh, number one. So it's either refreshing honesty or sort of a brilliant evasion to get out of it by being so cartoonishly ridiculous right. that no judge would want to put you on this jury. I didn't say brilliant. I did say bold. Cause, bold, yeah. okay. I had to go to jury selection like a month or so ago. Okay, this was my next question. Yeah. I was like, what would happen if Kat Timpf had to go to jury duty? I would guess they would voir dire your ass in half a second. I had a plan actually going in that because like I'm against most laws. So I could just, and like I'm on the record being against most laws. But then the one that they were calling me in for was an attempted murder trial. And I was like, damn, that's like one of three of them that I do support. <laughs> so like, I, I, I am for murder being illegal. So I didn't have that. But it was a month-long trial, and it would have been when um, we were going, like the whole team was going to Dallas for those shows. So I said that. Mm-hmm. And the judge got really mad when, um, like, there was this, like, party bro. And, like, you know exactly what I mean. He had, like, his zip-up on. He was ripping his jewel. Basically like me, but an actual man. And um, he was he was like, I can't go because I'm going to L.A. She's like, when are you going to L.A.? He's like, Wednesday. And this is like on like a Monday. And she's like, well, then you should have postponed your like you can't come in here and like not. She yelled at him and like be be, like feasibly unable to serve on any trial because this was like a month ahead of time. It was just like not all trials last a month, but this was an attempted murder one. So that's why it would have been so long. You clearly did not get selected for the jury. It was because you were going to be out of town. Yes, because I was out of town. I also said I'm a member of the media, sort of. <laughs> I would say you're a member of the yeah. media. I feel like that could get me if I ever – I've never been called in. Really? I'm a, they are I'm after a law and me. order geek. I would like to be on a jury, honestly. I think I'd be a good juror. But with my schedule, I think it would be very difficult for me to fulfill that civic duty, especially if it's a very long trial, number one. Number two, I think the second I show up and they're like, occupation – like, and you well, say I'm a Fox conservative News. commentator yeah. at Fox News. I'd be like, thank you. I don't think thank anyone's you for your ever been today. picked Goodbye. from here. But I had the plan of if it was like a drug, let's say it was somebody who was like a drug dealer who was like moving kilos around. I would stand up and I'd be like, your honor, I don't think this person did anything wrong. And I, but I, but I mean that. So, cause that's victimless. You know, that's, you know, you're putting him in prison for, well, you know, being a business owner. Okay. So, um, okay. Uh, that, but then when I found out it was attempted murder, I was like, oh no, I am against that. By the way, 
me simply saying okay to her okay was not, in fact, an endorsement <laughs> of that point, that he's just a business owner with no victims. But I think that would certainly get you out. I think the defense would fight to keep you in. It's a guess. <laughs> and the prosecutors would be like, you know what? Uh, peremptory, is that per- peremptory challenge, I think, is the term where you would be out in two seconds, back on the street, ripping the jewel, walking over to uh, Greg Gutfield's house. Craig Butterfield, yeah. Craig Butterfield, <laughs> however he wants to be referred to I in public. I don't think he That's... wants to be referred to that. <laughs> do you make, when, when he has you make his dinner reservations for him, because I'm sort of guessing he probably I tries to get that. you to do that. Do you make it under Craig Butterfield? I don't. So that, you know, so the paparazzis don't know that he's coming? No, I don't. I don't I don't make his dinner reservations, but that's that's a good idea. I'll pass that one along to his assistant. To his assistant. But I think he might want people to know he's coming. Do you have an assistant, Cap? No. Not other than Cam. My well, husband. Okay. Your 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 husband. Also in he's some the ways. Camager. He's the camager. Cam- what is this now? The camager. Sorry? He's like my manager, but he's Cam, so he's the camager. My, okay. my husband, my lawfully wedded camager. Yeah, I mean, that's it maybe works. we can workshop that nickname a little bit. Uh, one of your other assistants, well, you have two, right? You have the dog and the cat. Yeah. And I want to raise this story with you, but we're up on a break. So we'll take it. Come right back. It's Fridays with Cat, Cat Timph on the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. We're back. It's the happy hour on the Guy Benson Show on this Friday. Happy Friday. And with us for Fridays with Cat is Cat Timph. And I teased this before the break. There's a study of dog owners, and I'm not sure I really believe this, but at least seven out of ten dog owners claim that their dog really is their best friend. Let's just make this into a cat story for you, like yeah. CAT cat story. Yeah. With Jeans. Is Jeans a better friend to you than your camager? I mean, okay, so Cam knows that I love Cheens in a way that I will never love him or anyone else. Um, Cheens is my best friend. Uh, I when he di- like, first of all, I won't let him die, and I've I've said this repeatedly. Like he pro- he like wants to, I think, because he's so he's got a few problems health wise. I'm doing an inhaler on the guy now. He has like a nebulizer system because he got a little asthma going on, a little. Uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a heart ventricle swelling going on. He's got a little IBD going on. How he, old is he? Jeans? He'll be 12 this summer. Um, okay. And I won't, I won't let him die because, like, whose fur am I supposed to cry into then, you know? And I've talked about this on Gutfeld before, too, and, I, and I'm, people think I'm joking, but I'm completely serious. When he eventually does die, other than the fact that I'm going to have a meltdown, I'm going to have to go to Passages Malibu, I am going to get his ashes Get him cremated, get his ashes, get them sterilized by this place called Cremation Inc. in California. Mail back to me, and I have no tattoos. I'm going to get him tattooed in my body. My dad says, Catherine, if you love me, please wait until whoa, whoa, I die. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang yeah. on. Let's, let's just, just pause there for a moment, yep. I believe. I believe. So this is not getting a tattoo of Cheese. No, no, it no. It is no. A getting a tattoo you, physically with Cheese's remains. Cheese's remains tattooed, sterile, like completely sterilized and tattooed into my body so we're together forever. Yeah. Would it be a tattoo of Cheens it would with say, Cheens? It would say Cheens. <laughs> this not, is very meta. And I by the way, just, just for the record, this is absolutely a thing that happens. When I was in college, yeah. in journalism school, one of our assignments was to go out in pairs and do a business profile of some local business and make it newsworthy. So... I would swap every other week with my partner in the class who would come up with the idea. So this was her week, and her business that she decided we had to go profile was a 
pet crematorium in mm-hmm. sort of downstate Illinois. So we drove what is she forever doing now? and ever. <laughs> she sounds like uh, my kind of gal. I, I, I'm not sure what she's up to these days, but we went to this pet crematorium. We talked to the owner. We got a bunch of B-roll, which was really creepy stuff. Yeah. And then they were able to set us up with a pet owner who does the cremain stuff and has jewelry made out of uh, her pets and all of it. And one of the pets was a raccoon named mm. Racky. And she showed us a photo of Racky. And she had a lot of things to say about how she has a medium and she talks to Racky and how Racky would be in bed with her and give her little raccoon kisses. And then she just looked at me just dead-eyed, straight-faced, and she, speaking of raccoons, said, they're just like human babies. And I had to do everything in my power to not openly laugh hysterically and then patch this in to, like, some sort of a semblance of a news report for the class. Then we played, like, the the interview raw for the class. Like, you have to see this interview. Our professor was cracking up. The point is this person was very odd. Uh, I'll put it that way. But this person is also, I'm learning, you, basically. Well, no, I, I actually can, um, I could list off several differences between a raccoon and a human baby. Uh, but, no, Cheens is like, he's been there through it, you know, through it all. So Would you seek an animal medium to try to remain in touch? Because that's what Christine, our producer here, would have you do. If I have beliefs, like if I had beliefs, I would. Um, maybe I would try it. I mean, like, you, I don't, I don't, don't believe, believe in anything, that. but I, I don't, like, in not anything. believe in anything. Like, I, I, I don't, like, I'm just, like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I mean, that, God? That's fair. This, this conversation yeah. has taken a very interesting turn because we never really know where we're going with Cat Tim. F- no, and neither, fries even, with Kat that regardless. includes me. I never really know where I'm going either. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about uh, having the remains, the cremains of yep. a pet tattooed physically into her skin. I guess I have to ask, like, where would this tattoo happen? That, would it be I don't know. Would maybe it be a face tattoo? No, maybe the back of my foot. Like my okay, heel. So, so I don't have any tattoos, I have none. But this isn't a tattoo. This is Cheens. This is a tribute. This, this is, is It's Jeans. not even a tribute. It, it physically will be, God rest his soul at that point, Cheens. Mm-hmm. Would you get another cat or would you be done? I feel like I, I'm such a cat person. I would eventually get another cat, but it would never be the same. Like, there's only one Cheens. Like, there's only that. It What Cheens and I have is a once-in-a-lifetime bond, and it will not be replicated by any other mm. cat, any other mm-hmm. dog, or any other husband. Mm. Well, I mean, you can work through all of that at Passages Malibu out there, and I wish you the best. And I'm looking at my rundown here. We're going to talk about uh, this, you know, Twitter feature where they're talking about an edit button. We're talking about young professionals staying on their parents' cell phone plans. That's all out the door because (laughs) we're talking about cat tattoos because uh, it's Fridays with Cat. You can see her every weeknight at 11 p.m. on the Craig Butterfield Show, 11 p.m. (laughs) Eastern Time on Fox News Channel. Cat, always a pleasure, always interesting, and have a great weekend. You too. We'll be right back. It's the happy hour on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. We are back here in the happy hour on the Guy Benson Show. We're getting closer to the weekend together. Earlier, though, we spoke with Dr. Manny Alvarez, a Fox News contributor and senior health analyst here at the network. You've got some people calling for the return of masks again. That was inevitable, but they're starting to really crank up that rhetoric. We got Dr. Alvarez's response 
on that issue and more. Here's part of our conversation with Dr. Manning. All the advancements in the what we've learned and the therapeutics and the vaccines, of course, and the science and our knowledge. I mean, it, it feels like like a time warp back to April 2020. And yet these are prominent doctors making these points in some cases. Well, listen, I, I think that the proof of the pudding, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that physicians and I say this and, you know, and I got a couple of degrees in my belt, but I have realized over many years that in order to have a, a very understandable conversation about good outcomes in healthcare, you have to have the input and the buy-in of your patients. Right now, the patients are looking at some of the medical leadership out there, uh, and they're saying, "You know what? This is a, this is a self-serving kind of attention-gathering type of individual. That that's all they care. They want to see their names in the bright lights of Broadway, and they're tuning off. And if you look at the American public, they're tuning off from perhaps uh, the the habit of of listening." to the federal officials at the healthcare level because they are many good men and women in federal healthcare services that do great work. But the, unfortunately, now everybody's tuning off. So it, it, we, it's gonna take a, a while for the American public to get the trust back that I think that those types of individuals, because again, you know, you'll never see a tweet from me uh, pontificating something. I talk, you ask a question, I tell you why I think that's the end of that. I go back to my daily job. Uh, and I don't want to see my names in lights or anything like that. I'm over all of that phase of my life. But I think that uh, it's going to take a while for the American public to get back to trust. I think that the American public knows what to do right now. They have all the information, two years' worth of information. They've seen a lot of people die. A lot of people get hospitalized. Families lose their members. They know what they have to do. And I'm very glad that I turn on the television opening day week of baseball and i see throughout the united states good americans watching baseball joining together and enjoying a game as they should and i think that that's what we should be focusing on and not paying attention to some of these talking heads that they just want to see their popularity increase in twitter last question doctor speaking of your medical advice i was at a cvs pharmacy yesterday just looking to buy some potion stamps very exciting stuff and there were people lined up to get their booster shots and they were administering the shots just you know down the down the street from me and it got me thinking again i've talked to some of our other fox doctors about this in your opinion and when you're talking to your patients what is your approach on booster shots i have not gotten one because i had two shots plus covid and I'm of a certain age and health level where I feel like for now I'm okay with that. Uh, is that an okay, reasonable calculus on my part? Is it different, though, the older you get? I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the president has four my, shots. My, I'm happy that the right. speaker has three shots. It makes me less nervous about them. Right. My full interview with Dr. Manny Alvarez available on the podcast along with the rest of today's show in its entirety for free on demand. That's the podcast at GuyBensonShow.com, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, the home stretch, I'm going to play the role of therapist again because producer Christine has a dilemma involving her husband or her marriage. I don't even know. I don't know. All I know is she's got a problem, shock of all shocks. 
and I'll do my best to help resolve it when we come back. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. Home stretch on this Friday. Happy almost weekend. Happy Friday for sure. I'm Guy Benson. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast always free, including bonus Benson on the weekends. And as we suggested right before the break, we have yet another moment here where I'm going to serve as producer Christine's unlicensed and certainly uncompensated therapist. Because there's some issue with her and her husband, Bobby. I don't know what it is. We did not review it on the call today. And I guess my help and advice is needed. And it's also very comforting to know that whatever advice I supply in this segment, she will promptly ignore, even though it will likely be very good and correct advice. All right, Christine, what's going on? Well, actually, that is not true because a couple weeks ago I texted the group on a Saturday that I took advice of yours and made a decision based upon that advice. What was that? So I went to a dermatologist to get a Botox consultation, consultation, sorry, and they had said, no, you don't need that. You need something else, and that's going to cost you $1,000. And normally I would just be like, yep, if that's what you think I need, let's go for it. And I thought, what would Guy Benson say right now? Don't make rash decisions. And I left. That I don't remember that text message. I must have missed that one, but that was, in fact, a good decision. Plus, I think you were going to save – weren't you going to make a, a savings fund out of your Botox fund in order to go see Phil Collins on his last show if that were to happen? I think we discussed that at one point. Yes. So now that – There you go. Yeah, that face You've fund. You've saved $1,000 by not listening to them, at least <laughs> at least for now. Okay, so, so what is the current situation with which – you need some assistance and some just guidance. advice and just your thoughts because anytime I tell a woman this response to something I told Bobby, they're like, "Oh, that's terrible." And anytime I tell a man that, um, their response is a little different. So, um, you know that I'm going on vacation uh, next month. So usually when uh, I go on vacation, I start to work out and diet. That's like you know it gives you drive to you know lose those pesky 10 pounds. So I've been working out every single day, walking my 10,000 steps, giving up alcohol. I only drink on Saturdays now, which you know that is very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And intermittent fasting. So I'm doing everything possible. Well, can I just interject here with a question? Are you doing all of this intense dieting and exercise because you know that you're going to then treat yourself on the vacation so you want to sort of do some stuff in advance to counteract the gluttony on the vacation? Do you want to look good in photos on the vacation? Are you trying to impress people who come into contact with you on this vacation? Like what's the motive here? Lose weight. I have I am not at the weight that I should be at. So No, no I understand that you're trying to lose weight, but you're you're doing it specifically because there's a vacation coming up. Well, yeah, that always gives me drive because, like, we're going to, like, a warmer climate. You know, you're going to have, like, less clothes on. Right. So you want to look you want to look good in photos and Correct. look good out and about. Yeah, okay. and just okay. for myself, you know. Like, Got it. Um, so I've been really working my booty off to, you know, like, today I woke up at 6 a.m. and did an hour bike ride just to, you know, get it out of the way. Um, and I 
just cannot get that scale to move. It just it, it it may move an ounce or two, and that is it. It it just will not go down. So I got frustrated the other day, and I said to Bobby, "I'm like so disappointed because I'm really working hard, and I I, I can't lose weight." And he really just straight looked at me without a beat, and he said, "Well." You're 40. Like, maybe this is just your weight and you just can't lose weight and just deal with it. Like, this is what you're going to look like. And I almost lost my mind on him. I said, Bobby, we've been married for 10 years. You are not a dumb person. You're actually a very smart person. And what you just said to me not only enraged me, It was the dumbest thing you could have said to me or to anybody, to be honest, that is you see working really hard. And he didn't understand. He thought I went off the rails, like I was the one that had the issue. So then I was telling people in the newsroom about it. And, of course, everybody, like, gasped when when I told them what Bobby's response was. Except, of course, our very own Jimmy Fela came up to me and he goes, well, maybe your husband is a chubby chaser. Wow. Right? Well, I, am I mean, not okay. You are, first of all, not chubby. You're a petite person to begin with. So I think we can just put that out there for the record, number one. And people can actually check that out. Your photo, as a matter of fact, on your Twitter account. Your Twitter photo, at CookiesJar1988. That's a brand new feature these last few weeks. There's a better photo of her in a hot dog costume at one point, but now it's. Uh, her at a Christmas party. So that's at Cookies Jar 1988. I'm going to parse what he said because famously in your 30s, and I can attest to this, and into your 40s, it does get harder in terms of weight loss and metabolism and things that would work in the past don't work as well anymore. And so perhaps what he was simply noting was your age now is 40, so it's harder, and you don't have to obsess over these things. He loves how you look as it is, and doing all that hard work is good just to maintain good health, but you shouldn't obsess on the number on the scale necessarily. That's sort of my translation of what perhaps he meant by that response. But that's not what he said. That is not what he said at all. And then he started to get angry. And I think the last thing he said to me was, I'm just going to throw that darn scale out. I've had it. That was his response. And I just don't, I mean, I just don't think, I'm just very disappointed in him. I'm very disappointed in him. Well, hang on. So what I just said in my interpretation, would that have made you angry? Kind of. I feel like at this point, if you're in a relationship for a pretty What should long- he have said? You what, look amazing. Okay, what should he you have said? You look amazing. Keep going, honey. Like, oh, I see it. I totally, like, you know, maybe the number's not moving, but I see it in your face. Or I, you know, something affirmative. Not, hey, this just could be it for you. That's life, toots. See, I, I feel like, again, I'm just reading between the lines here. I wasn't there, and I'm only taking your account of this exchange, right? Bobby's not here to defend himself. Are you saying that I could be exaggerating? The I Never, never, ever would you get overheated about something and perhaps not totally exactly get every 
tiny detail correct. I know that uh, is not something that you would ever even consider. But I think the fact that he would be willing to throw out the scale is him saying to you that he thinks you look good. He doesn't think you need to be obsessing over the scale and getting yourself all worked up about it and stressed out about it and angry and frustrated about it. He doesn't want that source of angst in your life because it is weighing on you, no pun intended, in a way that is not healthy and not needed, and he likes the way you are, and he doesn't want you fixated on this number. That's why he wants to get rid of the scale because it's putting you in a bad place emotionally, and it doesn't matter to him the exact number on the scale. I mean, that sounds lovely, but I feel that he said he wanted to throw the darn scale out because he didn't want to hear it anymore. That's how I, I mean, took it. It could also be that as well. It could be both. But, I mean, you are a husband. Like, you would know better to never say something like that. I, I just, I wonder, are, not all men are like this, right? I mean, did I just happen upon somebody that really well, is just going to tell I me? I mean, look, there's, there's, there's a difference between gay and straight men. I mean, the gays, you should see how judgmental the gays are. Really? It's off the charts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, to your face, they'd be like, yes, queen, slay it. You keep doing what you're up to. We love you. Yes. They'd be like, Christine's starting to, you know, she's getting a little up there now. No. It's getting hard for her. That's hard. I'm going to go do my seventh workout today for these abs because I'm going to Fire Island next weekend. (laughs) Maybe I should work out with them then. (laughs) It would be intense. Just, I always I, joke that that I'm I'm not in that category of gay man because my phone autocorrects the word abs to wine. This is not happening. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll do like 20 or 30 minutes on the Peloton, be proud of myself and call it a day. And they'll be like, we're doing three a days. Well, that's what I feel like I have to do now. I have to just like up my game. But you don't have time for that. You have a career. I got to wake up earlier then. You know, no, no, no. like you don't this is like you don't want to uproot your life. You've got a career. You've got a daughter. You've got a husband. You've got friends. You've got responsibilities. Thank God it's not class mom anymore. But you have other things that you have to do. And so I think that it's fine to build in some self-care and some workout and some exercise. That's all very good. But I don't think it's great for you to say I've got to do even more. I mean, if you're doing what, an hour of exercise every day and watching what you're eating and drinking? And like, 10,000 steps a day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot. And I don't think that you need to – this is not a health issue either. Like if you were needing to really lose weight because your doctor was like, hey, Christine, this is important, that is not the case with you at all. Like no one would mistake you for someone who's even overweight. You're not. So I think it's important to also – have that fact in this conversation because it's more like a little bit of like toning and superficial stuff that it's fine for you to want that for yourself. But I also think there are trade-offs and it's fair for someone who cares about you and loves you to say, don't obsess over this stuff. Don't obsess over it. You don't have to. 
I, I get I get what you're saying, but let me let me bring Dan in, you know, in a, a newer relationship. Dan, if your girlfriend said what I said to you, how would you have responded? Hang on. You've been married for a decade. He's exactly. not even engaged. No, no, These exactly. are different. It- nope. This is different. It is a different dynamic. But Dan, go ahead and answer the question. I mean, I'm compliments only. I mean, it's a must must compliment situation. There, there's no question about it, especially this new into the relationship. I mean, I could see if it's a longer relationship, you'd be a little more honest, but, you know, got a compliment. I think that's probably a best practice at this stage of a relationship, in my opinion. War Wyatt, what regimen would you put her on? Like more, <laughs> uh, more you know, jumping jacks and push-ups with you counting them off? Like a drill sergeant? I don't know about that. Um, but maybe just a little more Fox and Friends in the morning. Work out and, and watch Fox and Friends in the morning and and do that. I don't know. Like work out for the entire three-hour duration of Fox and Friends. <laughs> just keep maybe, moving. Maybe Fox and Friends first, too. Because, you know, there's the show before Fox and Friends, which is Fox and Friends first. That's like at 5 a.m. So You hear that, Christine? I, All I, you have I, to I do is four hours of exercise every morning. <laughs> All right. Um, your your workout this... song could be the Fox and Friends jingle. Do, 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 Fox and Friends. All right. I'm, I'm being told we have to break. None of this was helpful. So thanks. You're not getting paid. Well, as usual, I never do. Back here on Monday for the Guy Benson Show. Bonus Benson on the podcast this weekend. Until then, have a great weekend. It's the Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.